0: Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse-by-verse through the Bible. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Now, I'm going to whet your appetite a little bit tonight, I hope, about what we're about to study in this precious book of 2 Timothy. And I want to entitle the message tonight, The Marks of a Faith That Is Not Hypocritical. The Marks of a Faith That Is Not Hypocritical. And uh, I'll show you in a moment where we're going to go with that. Since we've finished the Gospel of John and we're getting into the Second Timothy now, this is just a little of what we're going to get into. And I'm not going to try to preempt you by letting you know all the things of the setting and why it's written and all those kinds of things. That's what you'll get into as we study along Second Timothy together. But I just want to zero in tonight on verses 5 through 7, and I want us to just focus in on the marks of a faith that is not hypocritical. But as Pyrrhus and I have been studying together verse by verse through this precious book, and I've just got so much inside of me, I've got to get it out. Tonight I had to, all afternoon I had to fight the urge to just come up with a sermon so that I wouldn't preempt anything in 2 Timothy, like the Lord just kicked me right where I needed to be kicked. Son, if it's fresh, let her go. <laughs> the oven's hot, cook it, <laughs> whatever. But uh, the marks of a faith that is not hypocritical. Now, look at verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to be using the King James tonight. Don't be worried about that. If you have a New American Standard, don't throw your translation away or anything. <laughs> Hang on to it. But I want to look at verse 5 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, watch what Paul says to Timothy. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Now, the the yeah, new american standard says the sincere faith it's the same thing when i call to remember the sincere faith or unfeigned faith that is in thee which first dwelt in thy grandmother lois and thy mother eunice and i am persuaded that in thee also now paul is talking about timothy having an unfeigned or a non-hypocritical or a sincere faith now let's make sure we get our terminology right before we even get into the message what are we talking about when we talk about this faith what faith are we talking about well it's an internal faith notice the wording in there the faith that is what in thee and was in your grandmother and in your mother so it's an internal faith and paul says i I want to bring to remembrance that unfeigned faith i have brought to remembrance your uncritical faith now there's a covenant theology that goes on today that would take this verse and say that because of his grandmother, and because of his mother, he was allowed in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you've heard that or not. Years ago when I was teaching on covenant, I did not know that theology existed. and Someone had to tell me this, and so I had to really change some of my terminology. And the covenant theology says, since the mother and father are Christians, that the children are automatically allowed into the covenant with the Lord God. And that's why they have infant baptism and this kind of thing. It's called a covenant theology. And so they believe that since, since the parents, they go back, I suppose, to the Old Testament with Jonathan and David. Remember when Mephibosheth was allowed into the Old Covenant, or, the, or not the Old Covenant, the Covenant with David? And, so, and they take this and they make it a theology of their denomination. Now, this faith that Timothy had that was indwelt, an internal faith, was not a faith that was passed on in the sense of heredity from his grandmother and his mother. Certainly there were a heritage there but they can't pass it on. You know, being in a garage doesn't make you a car. <laughs> just because he came out of a godly family with godly parents and a godly grandmother does not mean that he, this faith came from them. He had to personally receive his faith just like you and I. He had to bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He had to confess his sins. There had to be a cleansing in his life. The blood of Jesus had to cleanse him of his sins before this faith could be internalized in his life so Paul is bringing bringing to remembrance here the the sincere the non hypocritical faith and this is a faith that is an internal faith it's not a faith that is external but it's a faith that is internal let's look over at first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14 as to how Paul received that faith just exactly when was it that he received his faith what was the conditions of his receiving this faith that is so internal and so non hypocritical Verse 14 in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says in verse 14, Do not be neglectful of of the gift, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Notice it's in thee again. That's, That's an important phrase there. Now what gift is he talking about? That word is the grace that is in thee, the grace gift. It's interesting that when we receive the grace of God and he comes into our life, the Holy Spirit comes into our life, We also receive gifts of God or give a gift of God in the sense that we now can be functional in his body it is is something very precious and something that starts and begins the moment we're saved and so Paul says neglect not the gift that is in thee which came in by the way when you received the Lord Jesus which was given thee by prophecy now some of our friends take this and say "Uh uh-huh there was a prophet who came and bestowed a certain gift upon Timothy no it's prophecy It was bestowed upon him or he came by means of the preaching of Paul. Timothy was one of the ones who sat there and listened to Paul preach. And as a result of that, he came to have this internal faith. He saw Jesus as the Christ. He bowed before him. He received him into his life. And the grace of God came into him. Same thing happened to his grandmother. And it appears she was the first one. And then it happened to his mother. And so because of the preaching of Paul timothy came to understand who christ was he bowed down confessed him as lord and now he has an internal faith something that nobody can take away from him now paul says of this faith that it is an unfeigned or a sincere faith the word means it is without hypocrisy it is a an unhypocritical or a non-hypocritical faith and i'll go back to verse five of first timothy chapter one paul says When I call to remembrance the unfeigned or sincere faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, notice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Now that I am persuaded there is in the perfect tense, which means there's been something in the past that has caused me to be persuaded that you have this faith. Now, it's in a passive voice. Now what is that saying? In other words, there's something externally in your life, Timothy, that has caused me to believe in the past that you truly have this internal faith. Now make sure you understand where I'm going with this. It's not that we can go out and do something externally to prove that we have an internal faith. That doesn't work. It's amazing. I do a lot of meetings in other churches, and I'll preach on what, you, how you ought to abide in the word, and how you ought to do this, and how you ought to do that. And people come forward, and they'll say, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that. And some of them are saying to, to me, I want to do this to prove that I really do have Christ in my heart. No, you can't go out and do all the external works to prove that you have an internal faith. But if you have an internal faith, you'll do the external works because Ephesians 2.10 says, you are saved unto good works. And so it's not the works that'll give you the faith, but the faith will produce the works. And so Paul is saying, Timothy... You have done something. You have exemplified something externally in your life that proves to me without a shadow of a doubt, I am fully persuaded that you have this internal faith and that it is absolutely non-hypocritical. It is unfeigned and it is sincere. Now, folks, if, it, if he says that his faith is non-hypocritical, it means that there can be a hypocritical faith. Are you with me on that? Did you know that you can fake faith? Now, you can't fake real faith. But you can fake faith. A lot of people have been doing that for a long time, folks. I learned the language early when I was growing up in a Baptist church. All you got to do is hang around for a little while. You learn how to pray certain little words. Oh, Lord, bless the missionaries and forgive us all of our sins. And you learn all the things to say. And you learn how to do it exactly right. Right. And so all these external things that you think God is really smiling upon, listen, friend, if you don't have that internal faith, if you have never come to see Jesus as who he is, if you've never received the grace of God that has come into you and, then, and, and the person of the Holy Spirit of God entered into your life at salvation, then you don't have an internal faith. You can go through the motions. You can deek, You can teach. You can do whatever you want to do. But you don't have a non-hypocritical faith. You're faking your faith. And so what Paul is bringing to remembrance to Timothy is, Timothy, brother, you've got a non-hypocritical faith. It is unfeigned, it is without blemish, it is sincere, and I have been so persuaded of this by the external things that I've seen in your life. Now, when we get into the study of this, I'll show you what those external things are, but I want to preempt you right now. Paul has seen some things in the earlier verses that gives him clues that Timothy has this faith now he gives four marks of a non-hypocritical faith four things that we can mark down if you got your notes tonight you might want to write it down these are the things that mark a person who has an unfeigned or has a non-hypocritical faith a sincere faith now the first one is this and we'll probably barely have time for the four. the first one is this when you have an unfeigned faith a non-hypocritical faith you're marked by the fact that you do not you do not have a spirit of timidity or cowardice that's one of the first things that marks a person who has a non-hypocritical faith now watch what he does here in verse six he says wherefore i put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of god (laughs) that's the king james i think the uh, new american standard says kindle afresh the word means to fan the flame i guess the new american standard hits it closer Then the King James, same meaning though, stir it up, fan it, fan it, fan it. It's in you, I have no doubt that it's in you, but now you need to fan the flame, son. You need to to get it going, stir it up. Now, he says, the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. (laughs) There are also those who say, by the laying on of the hands, the gifts were bestowed. No, 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 no. Hey, well, when we get into the study of 2 Timothy, I'll explain that to you out of 1 Timothy 4 and show you what he's talking about there. Well, let's go on to verse 7 here's the first mark look what he says for God hath not given us the spirit of fear now look out we don't have the spirit of fear now the first thing you, we've got to understand is what this word fear is talking about the word fear here is not the word for reverential awe, which is used many times in scripture to have a fear of God that's not the word it's used but the word that is used here is the word that means a cowardice a timidity, a lack of courage, a shrinking back. Now, can you get in your mind what Paul is trying to tell Timothy? Evidently, and I, I, can't, I don't want to preempt you of all the background of this. I want you to get the joy of finding that out for yourself. But there's a lot of persecution going on. And evidently, because of the circumstances, Timothy, of all people, with an unfeigned and a non-hypocritical faith, is stepping backwards. He's beginning to lose his courage. He's beginning to shrink back. And Paul is writing exhorting him come on son let's go with it this is not a mark of a true faith you you, you see a true faith is a per, it, it, it is always paralleled by a lack of timidity and by a lack of cowardice now look with me in Matthew chapter 8 and let's see how this word is used and Jesus uses this or it's used in context with him and his disciples Matthew chapter 8 this is really a blessing to me Matthew chapter 8 verses 23 through 26 now the situation here is one in which the disciples are with him and there's a terrific storm on the sea by the way may I say at the outset of this illustration that there are people today who preach that if you get right with God there are no storms <laughs> forget that folks that is foreign to the gospel that we preach right here verse 23 it <laughs> tickles me when I hear them say that verse 23 and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But well, he was what? Asleep. Storms really bother the Lord, don't they? I mean, they just really get him uptight. He just can't handle storm. He's sound asleep in the midst of it. Verse 25, and his disciples came to him. Now they wake him up and woke him saying, "Lord, save us. We perish. Now come on. <laughs> They kind of drew a little conclusion, a little prematurely there. And in verse 26, he said unto them, Why are ye, what? Afraid or fearful? Now, there's your word right there. Why do you lack courage? Why are you acting like a bunch of cowards? How come you're so timid in this situation? And he says, O ye of little, what? Faith. You see it's, it's not a mark of a believer to be this way it's a mark of a person who's an unbeliever then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm now if you'll go back to the context immediately preceding that just back up to verse 18 notice what happens immediately before Jesus is with his disciples in this storm it's almost as if he gives them an illustration of what he says back in verses 18 through 22 Verse 18, look, notice. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Uh Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, I'll follow thee wherever thou goest. We sing this song in church all the time, don't we? Wherever he leads, I'll go. We all sing it, don't we? Don't we all sing it? Those of you that can carry a tune in a bucket. All right, now watch. Verse 20. And Jesus said unto him, Now, Jesus lays out what it's going to be like to follow him right here. He didn't say "You'll, you'll be healthy and wealthy the rest of your life. He didn't say you'll be rich and prosperous until the day that I come again for the church. Notice what he said. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his hand. It's almost as if he's saying, guys, do you understand what you're doing? in luke chapter 14 when the, the big crowd came to him he said i want to tell you something except you hate your mother and your father and he gave all the relationships mentioned there and if you will not take up your cross you cannot be my disciple and then in matthew 16 24 if any man comes after me he must do what deny himself take up his cross and a cross is not a migraine headache folks it's what results as our witness is is being uh, exuberated through our life it's what results is, is, is what comes as a result of it and he says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, where does timidity fit into all this? And I honestly believe this, as we have studied together, that this timidity he's speaking of to Timothy is a mark of an unbeliever. A person who has had confronted to him the claims of Christ. A person who understands who Jesus is. But a person who also understands that if he follows jesus it may cost him social prestige it may bring suffering in his life it may bring poverty in his life it may bring all kinds of persecution and this person becomes timid and the timidity paralyzes his faith and he steps back and will not follow the lord jesus christ it's a mark of an unbeliever you see people today don't want to hear the message of the cross in the book of philippians paul said i say this to you Even weeping, there are people among us who are enemies of the cross. You watch the television. You tell me what you're hearing. Now, not not all of them. Certainly, when we mention television, I hope there's some good ones because we're going to be on it. (laughs) But there's a lot of people propagating a message that everybody's attracted to. Why? Because there's no cross in it. There's no suffering in it. There's no sickness in it. There's no no anything in it that will bring any kind of harm to me. It's a safe message and everybody's flocking to it. And Jesus said one time, few there be who find it. There are going to be few who are going to understand the terms that I'm going to put before them. So what is this timidity? It's a mark of an unbeliever. Look in John 14. We just finished John. John 14, when Jesus promised his peace to them. John 14, 27. It's amazing when you receive that inner inner faith, that internal faith, when you receive Jesus into your life, when you have that grace within you, that peace of God that's within you, it's amazing how the timidity leaves. Peace I leave unto you, he says. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, notice, give I unto you. The world can't, can't do this. The world cannot relieve the timidity that will come when you have to face difficult circumstances for following Jesus the world won't help you let not your heart be troubled now watch neither let it be what afraid there's your word right there you see when you have that peace of God is that's a mark of the believer but this timidity is a mark of the unbeliever the person who won't go on and be what God wants him to be because he's afraid of what's going to happen to him He's afraid of the persecution. He's afraid of the suffering. And so he steps back rather than goes forward. Look in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. And this is the one that knocked me out of saddle. Revelation 21 and verse 8. To show you how much it's a mark of a non believer. Revelation 21 and verse 8. Now he uses one definite article here which covers the whole bunch. He starts off, but the fearful guess what same word and unbelieving it's all they're all grouped together here you can't have one without the other and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the what which is the second death you see this spirit of timidity this spirit of saying, I'm not willing to suffer the consequence. I'm not willing to witness in my school. I'm not willing to, to live the life God wants me to live when I go to work. I'm, I'm afraid of the consequences is a mark of an unbeliever. You said, but Timothy's a believer. That's right. What is Paul telling him? Timothy, stop acting like an unbeliever. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Evidently, you get to feel out of this that Timothy is backing up instead of going forward. And he says, you've got an unfeigned faith. You've got a non-hypocritical faith. Don't go back and act like you're an unbeliever. But now, that's the negative mark. He does not have a spirit of commitment. It's positive in one way, negative in another. But then there are three positive qualities of a person who has a non-hypocritical faith. Go back to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Now, he says in verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, now watch, but of what? Of power. <laughs> what is it that marks the person with an internal, un- non-hypocritical faith? It's a person who has that power within him. Now, what is this power? Well, there are four words in the Greek that mean power. I'll spell them for you. <laughs> no way am I going to try to pronounce them. All right. The first one. Well, I do the first one. dunamis I can do that one. Now I know that one. D-U-N-A-M-I-S. You can write that down if you want to keep it. If not forget it. All right. dunamis that's one word for power remember remember now we have one word to describe power they have at least four words to describe it you have to make sure which one you're reading all right this word is power that not only can be demonstrated but must be demonstrated all right it's power that can be demonstrated that can be seen that can be demonstrated something that that, that the world can look at us and know that we have power that can be demonstrated all right the second word is this i won't even try this one i s C H U S. I S C H U S. Now, this is a different word altogether. This is the word that means inherent power. Uh, strength that may or may not be used. Did you ever watch The Hulk when it was on TV? That's one of my favorite programs. I'd love to be the Hulk in one big church wide business meeting. <laughs> Guy turns green, you know. <laughs> body swells up, shirt goes rip, you know grab the pulpit and just go now this is what we're gonna do any questions you know i'd like that. all right but this old boy that turned into the hawk, he had that strength but it wasn't always evident correct i mean it was there it did not have to be used to know to for you to know that it was there you watched the program about two times you knew it was there now that's the word for strength that's used here it's inherent strength may or may not be used all right now the third word for power is this acusia? it's e-x-o-u-s-i-a transliterate e-x-o-u-s-i-a this is the word that means authority it's the right to use the power remember when jesus said in matthew 28 all power is given unto me all authority this is the word here i have the right to use any power that i want to do i have the right to exercise my power This is the word that's used for that. And then there's a fourth word, K-R-A-T-O-S, kratos. It's the word that means dominion, dominion of power. In other words, uh, it's the word that's many times translated as government, all right? It's the dominion of someone's power, what's going on under it and what's in control under it. Now, the word that he uses here when he says as a mark of non-hypocritical faith is that first one. I guess you've already figured that out dunamis it's the word that means power that can be and ought to be demonstrated now think what he's telling Timothy Timothy don't step back son you have power within you you step forward go on son demonstrate the fact that you truly have this faith it's a mark of a person who has a non hypocritical faith it's not when we turn and run it that's not a mark of that non hypocritical faith somebody said back in the israel arab war that all the arab tanks only had reverse gear (laughs) that's not a mark of non-hypocritical faith he said but what is a mark is stepping forward demonstrating what is in your life you see timidity cowardice shrinking from the circumstance paralyzes real faith did you know that the moment that fear enters in it paralyzes the true faith that God has put within us. And I, evidently Timothy is just frozen and he, Paul's trying to kick him into gear by reminding him of the faith that is in him and reminding him that timidity is not one of its characteristics but power really is. You know, Paul's writing this from prison and I won't tell you all about that. You'll have to figure that one out. But in Philippians chapter 4 he wrote another letter from prison, didn't he? Or in Philippians. And chapter 4 and verse 13 from a prison cell here's what he wrote I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me I have a power that can handle any circumstance that God ever allows to be in my life I was reading some of the stories of the great Christian martyrs even back in the days of the persecutions of Nero and some of the historians that bring some of these stories out And I can't remember the guy's name to save me, but it was an old saint about 80-some years old. And they had him at a post, and they were going to burn him. They had him tied to a post. Had all the the, the wood around him and ready to be lit. And the the Roman centurion that came over to burn him whispered in his ear, Oh, man, I don't want to do this. If you'll just whisper in my ear that you'll deny the Christ, I won't tell a soul, and I'll let you go. I'll make up some story. Don't make me do this. And the fellow looked back at him and said, Sir, Christ has never, ever, ever failed me. I certainly would not want to fail him now. And the man lit that fire. And as the historian records, that centurion was never, ever again the same. He saw a power that was demonstrated in the midst of adversity. Do you realize this gospel that's being preached in our country today is completely foreign to what what the gospel really is? Why would I need power if I had everything that I wanted? Why would I need all these things that God gives me if life's going to be easy street? It's not that way. And you see, a Christian has that power. Go on, Timothy. Take that step. Step out there. Over in Romania, that little pastor Joseph, I love him. Every time I pray for them, I just see his face. It's one of those faces that just looks like he ought to look i mean you just think about a, a christian godly person romanian he's got that face <laughs> i can't explain it. he just glows with jesus and he's the fellow who in his church the man had two tracks and was put into jail because of it and was, and was, and was no telling what they were going to do to him and he had a small family of about four children and pastor joseph knew what could happen to him if he went and took this man's place but god led him said now you go and take that man's place and pastor joseph went to the, the prosecutors there And he said, I gave this man those tracks. Let me be put into prison for his place and let him out. He has four children he can't take care of them. Let me take his place. Now, here's what could have happened to him. He could have lost his license to preach. He would have never gotten a job decent enough to even provide for his family. They would have have searched his family, made embarrassments out of them. The whole thing, lost his home, everything. But he had a power that was demonstrated in the midst of affliction. This is a mark of a non-hypocritical faith a person who is who's cowardly and a person who backs away from suffering is a person who just might not have the true faith or he could be like timothy he's in danger of acting so much like an unbeliever nobody would know that a believer was around so a mark is that power but then the third thing he mentions here in verse seven for god hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and then he says and of what love you know what kind of love that is you tell me before you even look at I got right it's the kind of love and let me express it this way it is the realization you have something that somebody else needs and you're willing to give it to them for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son there's your greatest example of it right there God had something we needed He had the perfect plan and the man that would be the God man and he would come and, and live sinlessly and die as our Substitute upon the cross he had something and he willingly gave of what he had to meet the needs of all the world Now that's the kind of love that we have and I, I hear Paul saying this. I hear Paul saying Timothy stir up your gifts son God has has done a work in you. He reminds him of his ordination when he was set apart He reminds him of all that that, that meant And he's saying, Timothy, come on, man. Don't step back. You get out there in the fire. You have a power within you. But you have something inside of you, God-given, that others need desperately. Stir it up and turn it loose, you see. Because that is a mark of a non-hypocritical faith. I had a thought in this. And as we get to it later on, maybe I'll have a, a lot more. hope so. But you know what? A lot of people that come to church, sit and soak and are never, ever involved out of the spiritual gift that God has given them, that person is demonstrating their faith is not without hypocrisy. You know that? If you're not willing to turn loose of that which God has given to you, if you're not functioning where you ought to function, if God has not somehow grasped you and let you know that you've got something inside that people need, and you're not releasing that, that's not a mark of faith without hypocrisy. Because faith without hypocrisy says, I love you. I've got something you need, and I'll gladly share it with you. And that goes in so many areas. Oh, goodness. Think of finances. (laughs) I've got something you need, and I'll gladly share it with you. Just go and go and go and go with that. And that's the mark of a non-hypocritical faith. A person who has something somebody else needs and is unashamedly willing to share it. Well, remember where Paul is. Paul's in jail. And I want to tell you more about why he's in jail and what's going to happen to him as a result of being in jail. But I want to do that. I want to preempt what you're going to find. But I want to tell you this. He's saying to Timothy, Son, I can't do a thing. It's counting on you. Now you take the ball and run with it. Don't you shrink back because that's not a mark of a person with a faith that's non-hypocritical. Well, finally, fourthly, he mentions in verse 7, Spirit of power, spirit of love, and then a spirit of a what? A sound mind. I don't have the time to do all with it what I want to do with this, but when we come back to it, we'll get in greater detail. I may do a message on each one of these. I don't know. When I preach it the next time, though, act like you haven't heard it, so the ones that aren't in here won't know. Okay? <laughs> sound mind. Let me just say this about that word, sophronis. It's the word that means the willingness. Here you go, to surrender your own freedom for the needs of others. You're willing to restrain your own passions and desires because of your concern of the need of others. Voluntarily limit your own freedom for the sake of others. Boy, folks, this is integrity, isn't it? When I choose, Paul said one time, all things are lawful but not all things are expedient. And I'm willing to limit my own freedom. I've got freedom. Timothy, I suppose you've got freedom to leave, but don't you dare. You you remember that a mark of your faith is that you'll limit your own freedom for the sake of the people that are around you. And so, again, a person over in America, and I've said this before, who has the money and who has the time but chooses to refuse it and give it to the Lord and those who need it is a person who has exercised a sound mind. With integrity, he has thought it through. He has limited his own freedom for the sake of others. That's the Marks. Of a non-hypocritical faith. Well, Brother Wayne, I thought you had to speak in another tongue. I thought that was a mark. I thought you had to have some kind of supernatural gift to be a mark. No, here they are right here. First of all, you don't have that spirit of timidity. No cowardice in you. In other words, you're willing to face whatever comes as a result of your being obedient to the Lord Jesus. That's what that means. You're willing to take whatever comes. Secondly, you have that power in you. And it's gonna be demonstrated by the fact that you're stepping forward in the midst of your circumstance, you're not backing up. Thirdly, you have that love in you, which means you're willing to share whatever it is God's given you to be a need to others. And fourthly, you have a sound mind. You'll even limit your own freedom for the benefit, spiritually, of someone else and the cause of Christ. All this is for the sake of Christ. And so, the marks of a non-hypocritical faith. I sometimes remind myself of Timothy, do you? I want to back up. Just don't want to take what I know is going to come if I do what God's telling me to do. But this has already helped me because now I know there's no backing up. Brother, it's going forward. No reverse gear, folks, (laughs) in our faith. It's a demonstrated faith that we're willing to bear under whatever circumstance we find ourselves. And thank the Lord that one day he's going to reward people that have the right kind of faith. Not the fake kind, you see. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this marvelous book. And we thank you, Lord, for the excitement in our hearts of just studying it. Thank you, Father, for all the riches that are going to be there. And Lord, we don't want to be full of knowledge, but we want that information to turn into transformation. And, Father, that it to change our lives. Father, thank you how much this scripture has already helped me in certain areas. And I, I pray, Father... That as we leave tonight, we'll be more conscious of the fact that there are certain marks that ought to be there. That, Father, many of us may be here tonight, or many may be here tonight that may be faking their faith. There's nothing really real in them. They're not willing to stand under whatever circumstance and demonstrate power that you've put within them. I pray, Father, we'll realize that down here we're not home yet. One day, one day, it'll be wonderful and glorious. Down here, Father, it's going to be difficult, and yet at the same time, wonderful and glorious. Help us, Father, strike that balance. Help us to prove out the faith in us that is real. In Jesus' name. For additional resources or to view our TV program, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.